Book Two, Chapter Eleven of the Sworn Brothers: A Tale of the Early Days of Iceland by Gunnar Gunnarsson. Translation by Claude Field and W. M. A. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Rita Boutros. It was very still in the house after Orne's death. His harsh, irascible voice was suddenly lost in a great silence, and this silence was doubly impressive just after the concluded festivities. Ingolf at once set his people to brew drink, slaughter animals, and prepare for the funeral feast. Orne should begin his last journey with all suitable honor. But this time the work was done without the noise which usually attended preparations of that kind. In Ingolf's soul there remained a special sense of bereavement. He had always shown his father reverence. Now he realized that he had also been very fond of him. Ingolf selected with care a spot down by the fjord where a funeral barrow would look well in the landscape. He caused a little natural hollow to be filled with potter's clay, then had one of his smaller dragon ships rolled on logs thither and fixed on the bed of clay, with its bow turned towards the south. Orne's journey should be towards the south and the sun. When the ship was settled in its place and shored up, Ingolf traced a wide circle round it. Orne perhaps was the last of the race who should rest in the soil of his fatherland therefore his funeral barrow should be a notable landmark. Ingolf collected a large number of workmen from his own and Leif's estate, and set them to work at erecting the barrow. It was to be done quickly, for nothing is quite sure for a dead man till he rests in earth under the sign of the hammer. Ingolf sent messengers round to invite all those in the district and many distant friends and relatives to the funeral feast at a few days' notice. He and Leif superintended the work at the barrow, and it went forward rapidly. The voracious earth was not to be allowed to devour Orne's ship. Therefore stones were fixed everywhere between the earth and the woodwork. Outside it were piled gravel, earth, and turf. Amid ships, round the mast, which was hoisted as though for sailing, and so that the roof of the barrow might form an arch over it, was the burial chamber, as broad as the ship, and two fathoms in length, timbered with thick oak beams. It was to resist the pressure both of the stones and the earth. There should Orne lie, warm and comfortable, ready for his journey." All was arranged with a view to a journey by land and by water. In the stern of the ship were stored up all possible articles which could be of use in cooking. There were iron cauldrons of various sizes, with the iron claws belonging to them, and swivels for hanging them up on, a large barrel for the supply of the ship's drinking water, together with other larger and small oaken barrels, with hoops of tough kinds of wood, different vessels with and without lids, together with wooden dishes, some in the shape of fishes, pails with handles of iron and bands of bronze or wood, scoops of iron and of wood, knives, a stone hand-mill, and a stick to turn it with, a frying-pan, a three-legged kitchen-stool, axes, and many other articles." Some of the wooden ones were splendidly carved, and on others many-colored designs were painted. 
In the stern was also the ship's anchor. The rudder was, of course, fixed in its place. Ingolf further furnished the ship with all that was necessary, cordage, sails, oars, tent cloths and poles, hooks, oar forks, and other articles for a voyage. A landing plank was not forgotten. In the forepart of the ship he placed a carved and fully equipped sledge, with the harness and bearskin bags belonging to it. Thither he had also brought a painted and carved carriage, with a driving seat and harness. Orn's saddle was brought on board, together with bridle and reins, and all things needed for a horse. Orn should never be in difficulties regarding his land journey. Ingolf had many things brought into the burial chamber. He filled several boxes with useful articles belonging to a chieftain's equipment and placed them in it. A bed and bedding were brought in, and he gave his father costly coverlets for the journey. He did not forget to supply a comb, so that his father might arrange his hair and beard when he presented himself before the Aces. He gave him also rings, ornaments, and other valuables, so that all should at once know whom they had before them. Moreover, he provided him with thunderstones, small Thor hammers, and other sacred articles for his protection on the journey, together with a money-box to defray the possible expenses. Orn should certainly not want coin. Ingolf also had several barrels of wine and meat brought to the burial chamber, together with costly drinking horns to drink from, and to proffer. An ox and a swine, and many other animals had already been selected for slaughter. Orn should suffer neither hunger nor thirst on his long journey. When all these things had been arranged, and the barrow was already partially erected, so that there was only a wide passage to the burial chamber, and all that remained was to pile stones and earth over the ship, the day came which was fixed for the funeral feast and committal to the barrow. A swarm of people had collected to do the last honors to Orn. Ingolf himself conducted the ceremonies, both at the temple and at the barrow. He had inherited the office of priest of the district from his father, and now himself discharged the priestly functions. With the sign of the hammer he consecrated his father for the last journey. Stretched on a bier, clad in his splendid garments, Orn left his house for the last time. A golden-winged helmet crowned his white hair. A sword gleamed by his side. A shield painted in many colors covered his breast. Equipped for a chieftain's journey, Orn was carried to his burial chamber. The serf who was selected, and already consecrated to follow him, for it was not fitting that Orn should journey quite alone, stood ready, and only waited for the knife with which he was to stab himself to be given him. Then came Rodmar, who, in these busy and restless days, had been forgotten by all, tottering on two sticks hither from the house, led by two of his men, and followed by another man carrying a chair. He was not dressed as a chieftain. Looking untidy, as he had just got out of bed, in clothes which he had not changed for a long time, and with his grey locks floating freely in the wind, came Rodmar, staring stiffly and blankly with his blind eyes. 
Rodmar had had a bad time in his darkness and loneliness since Orne's death. He had hoped that death would come and fetch him before the barrow over Orne had been finished. He would so gladly share the barrow with him and follow him on his journey. It was impossible to remain behind now that his only friend had departed. The solitude became intense and oppressive around him, and the pain of his darkness was doubled. At last he took the resolve to follow his elder kinsman in death, as he had always followed him in life. Rodmar crawled over the gunwale on his crooked legs and groped his way forward to the opening of the burial chamber. Then he turned and spoke to the air. "'Is there wine on board?' he asked, in an impatient and peremptory tone. Leif sprang on board, and led his father from barrel to barrel, so that he could feel them with his own hands. Rodmar shook the barrels to see whether they were full, and sniffed them distrustfully. He chose one of them, and demanded to have one hoop knocked off. This was done. Afterwards he asked that the tool for opening it should remain with him, and be close to his hand. He was also allowed to retain the tool. His seat was fixed in its place, and Rodmar sat down with a long sigh of relief, as it were. On one side of him he had an open barrel of red wine, on the other a horn filled to the brim, standing on a little table which had been quickly brought to the place. Rodmar borrowed Leif's sword, and bearing his breast with fumbling fingers, cut on it with his own hand the sign of the hammer. Then he said farewell to Ingolf and the others standing round, and in a slightly morose and curt tone gave Leif his last blessing. Then the opening to the burial chamber was closed up. Rodmar sat as long as they could see him motionless on his chair. He had secured Orne's society forever. He was prepared for anything that might come. A man should be able both to live and die with a light heart. He had drink for the journey and there is also wine in Valhalla. Ingolf killed with his own hand an ox that was laid on an oak plank by the side of the kitchen utensils. Its mouth was held open with a wooden gag and turned towards the south. He also slew with his own hand four horses, two dogs, and a swine. The swine was laid by the side of the box. The other animals were taken to the forepart of the ship, the serf who was to have accompanied Orne was now spared, as Orne had better company. Stones were heaped over the ship and all its contents, and then the barrow was hastily filled up. This closed the funeral ceremonies. Orne and Rodmar had departed to Odin. End of Book Two, Chapter Eleven